Just Man's the Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Just Man's the Podcast. It is a big week, you guys. It is Thanksgiving. I have no idea how this year flew by, but I am not complaining. (laughs) I am ready for 2021. Also, if my voice is a little groggy sounding, it's because it's 10 a.m. and I'm not even halfway through my coffee. By the way, I have to let you guys know what this coffee situation is. You hear the stirring? One sec, let me take a sip. I feel like the beginning of my podcasts have turned into like a little short segment of ASMR. Let me know if you guys like it. (laughs) Anyway, the coffee situation is Canyon Coffee's instant coffee packets. So I got these little packets in a gift, actually. I received it in the Very Good Mother's Club box that was created by Jess Hover. She's a YouTuber, and she created these gift box for mothers, and I was sent to it by Penny Parnovic, who's actually been on the show, so thank you guys. Um, And I fell in love with this coffee. I really love coffee and I really love lattes, but lately I've been in a coffee grind, like just black coffee with a little bit of creamer. So these instant coffee packets, especially being a mom and having a newborn are game changers because I literally just boil water, which takes me literally three minutes because my little tea kettle is a killer. Like she heats up so fast. I got her on Amazon. Maybe I'll, I'll link her in the show notes. Um, She's so cute. She's like blue and kind of Japanese looking. Love her. Anyway, let's get back to the coffee situation. <laughs> like I said, I haven't I haven't drank all of it yet, so I'm a little scattered. I do one packet of that Canyon coffee, and then I do a little bit of cinnamon, and then here is the the key, okay? So my sister ordered nut pods from Thrive Market, and I went over to her house, well, my mom's house the other day, and she had seven in the fridge. So I stole two. And Abby, if you're listening, that is where your other nut pods went. They're in my house. (laughs) Sorry, but you had a lot and I was curious. So I use a little bit of the hazelnut and a little bit of the French vanilla. And you guys, it is the best coffee that I've ever made. And I know I say this about all of my beverages, but I'm in like in a black coffee phase right now. I guess it's not black coffee, but it's a little bit of creamer. Um, it's just so good. And it, it's one of those things that I like wake up in the morning and I look forward to, you know, let's get back to Thanksgiving. (laughs) It is Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving week. What are my plans? So COVID is kind of throwing a wrench in the holidays and I really want to encourage everyone to still be careful. And if you can reduce the amount of traveling you're going to do or the amount of people you're going to see, I totally encourage doing that. We are actually having some family members come into town and I know that that's a little up in like the air in terms of like, is that okay? We're having everybody get tested. Everyone's being safe. So, you know, it's the holidays and honestly, I'm of the camp where if you get tested and you're being safe, you wear gloves, you wear masks, that's all you can do, you know, and I'm not going to live my life in fear. I am not going to not live my life. I 
totally think that we need to be careful and we need to reduce the spread and limit the amount of people we're coming into contact with. But at the same time, life is short and we want to live our lives and we want to be with our loved ones and our family during the holiday season. So we're doing our best to be careful and to be safe. But yes, we are having a few family members come in. I'm so excited because my grandma's coming in, my aunt and my cousins, and they're all going to be able to meet Lennox. And it just makes my heart burst out of my chest already. And it hasn't even happened. So that is our plans for Thanksgiving. And we're going to have everybody over at my mom's house. I just love the holidays because I love getting a Thanksgiving outfit. (laughs) Does anybody else do that? I think I saw this post one time. Someone was like, I love seeing everybody's holiday outfits in their living room. Like people literally just get holiday outfits, holiday dresses, dresses from free people, like these expensive getups to just wear them in their living rooms. And it is not more true. I thought that was so funny, but it's so true. Like I don't leave my parents' living room on holidays. I look like I'm about to go you know, to a really nice event or a really nice dinner. But no, I'm just chilling at my mom's house. So yeah, I'm like, I'm into fashion. It's definitely taken a back burner in my life now that I'm a mom and I don't wear anything but sweatpants and a sports bra all around the house. But growing up, Thanksgiving fashion and Christmas fashion, like holiday outfits were it to me. Like that was the best part about holidays was getting a cute new outfit and then getting dressed in it and taking cute pictures and just feeling cute, you know? Let me just go into the other things that I love about Thanksgiving in terms of what is on the Thanksgiving table. I am a dark meat gal through and through. Don't really need to fuck around with the dry white meat. I don't like it. It's not tasteful. It literally is just like I put it in my mouth and I'm like chewing dry. You know what I mean? The dark meat, you can taste the fat, you can taste the juiciness. It's my favorite. I will just load my plate of dark meat. I also am a ham gal. Growing up, ham was my jam. (laughs) That was so cheesy. Anyway, ham was my go-to. I would put it on my sandwiches. I would put it in my mac and cheese. I know that sounds weird, but like, let me put you on. It is so freaking good. I also love my grandma's mashed potatoes, but I can't eat them anymore because I won't shit for two weeks. She loads these mashed potatoes with like sour cream, cheese, butter, maybe milk. I don't know. It's just like all the dairy that you can think of, but it is so freaking good. I hated mashed potatoes growing up. And then when I got to college and honestly, when I became like super into health and fitness and had like you know, been doing these crash diets and kind of yo-yo dieting and not having a good relationship with food. Whenever I was like in a binge state, I would go home and I would just eat all the things and my grandma's mashed potatoes were definitely on the menu. Mm, They were so freaking good. And I might take a bite this year, but I've just learned now that it is not worth a full scoop of those mashed potatoes, even though they are the best. You know what the best part about these things are too is having them as leftovers. My mom every single year after Thanksgiving would make like a turkey sandwich and I just I love I love the leftovers. It's the best. I honestly think that the food is better the day or the week after. 
don't hate me, but I am definitely not a pie fan. Like I just don't like pie. I don't like the crust. I don't really like the ooey gooey filling. I'm more of like a cookie fan or an ice cream fan. I think what it is is I don't like a ton of textures. I'm not like a cake person where, you know, I love the cake and I love the icing. I will eat it if it's there, but it's not my go-to, you know? I don't like a mixture of textures in my desserts. I like a cookie that's like the same texture, maybe a little gooeyness and a little crunchiness, and I like ice cream. Those are my go-to. So pies don't really excite me. I might try it this year just because why not? Let's get a little crazy. But again, I can't eat gluten either. So maybe I'll maybe I'll make a gluten-free pie because I'm in charge of des- dessert. I think my mom will probably get dessert, but I'm in charge of dessert that like I can eat. So my sister is vegan. So I'm going to be making like a gluten-free vegan dish as well because I can't eat dairy. It kind of just works out for her and I. So maybe I'll do that. Maybe I'll make a pie that's gluten and dairy-free. I'll keep you guys posted. I also remember one year my aunt brought over like this brie and jam situation. It was like brie with a crust and then you and then jam, like you put jam on it. I don't even remember what it was called, but I remember trying it and it was like the best thing that I've ever put in my mouth. But again, I can't eat that either. A lot of a lot of like the recurring theme for me at Thanksgiving is I can't eat it. And this is solely because if I eat gluten or I eat, I eat dairy, I am not a nice person and I feel like shit. I just don't want to feel like shit. It's not because I'm like restricting myself from it. It's because I literally will not be a fun person. And that's not fun for me. So I avoid those things, but I can't even eat the stuffing. I'm a big proponent of like on holidays for me, I will maybe take a bite of something that's gluten or dairy because a bite really won't affect me. But I just can't go balls to the wall like I used to, you know? Oh my gosh, now I'm just re- reminiscing about Thanksgiving over the years and we used to have the best Thanksgivings because we used to live in like a bigger house and we would have all of our family members come over for Thanksgiving and then later that night our friends would come over and we would just get hammered. Oh my gosh, does anybody remember Blackout Wednesday? I totally forgot about Blackout Wednesday because I'm a mom now and like that's just not where my mind's going. Also COVID, so I'm pretty sure that probably plays a factor. But oh my gosh, Blackout Wednesday was such a thing since I was like probably 18 to 20, 18 to 20, that age, that age range. We would go to the club and then the next day we would just be hungover as shit, which is not fun. I would so much rather be sober and then Thanksgiving Day get drunk or get a little tipsy, you know? But wow, Blackout Wednesday was such a thing. Getting back to Thanksgivings back in the day, I was always in charge of making the placement cards like the little seat placement cards that you put on the table and it's like a seating arrangement for everybody I would make the little cards for that so I would print out everyone's names and then make little seating arrangements but I would do it so freaking chic I would do like the curliest cutest Thanksgiving fonts I would go on defont.com and type in Thanksgiving and just like do a Thanksgiving-esque font and then I would do Thanksgiving-esque colors I, gosh, I was that bitch. Like, I really made Thanksgiving look so cute. Is Thanksgiving my favorite holiday? It might be, guys. (laughs) I'm kind of having a revelation now that maybe Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. I love the outfits. I love the colors. I love the decorations. I love the placement cards. I love the food. I love making it, you know, a whole thing. I love the desserts. I think it's my favorite. 
This year I told my mom that I want to help her make the turkey so that I can like get in there and get my hands dirty. But I remember a couple years ago I tried and I was absolutely disgusted by the turkey. Like it's just so slimy and disgusting and you like stick your, you literally fist a turkey. Like you stick your whole fucking fist in the turkey's vajayjay. You know, it's so weird. I don't like it, but I'm going to try it because I want to be that mom and that wife one day that like really goes balls to the wall and makes the freaking Thanksgiving turkey. You know, I love that. I admire that. I think it's so cool and traditional. Like I, I, that's one of the most, that's, (laughs) that's one of the only traditional things that I like really like. So I'm going to get in there this this year. I'm going to get my fist in there. (laughs) Another thing I'm so excited about is having a baby during the holiday season. Like it just kind of reinvents the holidays for me because, you know, until you're like, when you get to like 15, I think the holidays kind of lose that spark, that judge, you know what I mean? Because you know that Santa's not real. Oh my God, please don't listen to this with your kids in the car. I'm so sorry. Santa is real. He came to my house. He wrote me a letter. He ate the cookies. He's real, guys. <laughs> Please don't have your kids in the car. Anyway, you know what I'm saying. When you get to like 15, the holidays lose that magic touch. Then until you're like 18, 20, 21, you know, they get fun again because you can like drink and you party and you really take advantage of the alcohol and the bar situation that's at Thanksgiving dinners. Because from like 15 to 18, Thanksgivings and holidays are bland. You're at the kids table. You don't like your cousins. Your weird uncle says some weird shit. You get into politic talk and it's just like, it's not the best situation for like a 15 to an an 18 year olds. When you get 18, you know, your, your, your parents might start letting you have a beer and then, you know, your, your cool cousin might slide you three. So then it gets a little bit more fun. And then from like 19, 20, 21, you can drink and it's fun. You can party and you can kind of like handle the holidays and make them fun again. Then I would say when you start to have kids is when like the spark comes back. So now that we have Lennox, he's obviously not old enough to really comprehend what the fuck is going on, but I'm going to dress him in a cute outfit and he's going to take cute pictures with us. And then when, when Christmas comes around, we're going to take Christmas photos and get stockings and stocking stuffers. And it's just so fun again, you know? So I'm so excited that we have him and that we're going to celebrate all the holidays with him. It's just going to make it so much more fun. And not only for Lucas and I, but like my whole family, it's just exciting. You know, I can't wait for my extended family, my grandma, my aunt, my cousins to really meet him and just, oh, it's just going to be so full of love. I know you might be confused, but this is not an episode solely about me reminiscing about the holiday seasons and Thanksgiving in the past. This is, well, it kind of is actually about me reminiscing on my holiday seasons and my Thanksgivings in the past because this is an episode that I wish I would have listened to when I was in the thick of my disordered eating pattern. So I'm talking when I was yo-yo dieting, when I was binge eating, when I would overeat, when I hated my body, when I didn't have any self-control. I was in such a bad place with food for a few years and the holidays always overwhelmed me. Not only did they overwhelm me because looking back on it, I definitely had an intolerance to gluten and dairy then as well. And I would just eat everything and I would feel like shit. But also I, like I said, would just make, make the holidays so scary that I would overeat and I would binge and I wouldn't be a nice person. 
I wish that I would have had this episode to listen to because I wish someone would have told me that it's okay to overeat at Thanksgiving or even Christmas. It's not going to kill you or make you fat or derail your progress. I wish somebody would have told me to focus on my family, focus on my friends, focus on the conversations that are to be had, and just focus on the more important things. Food is great, and food can have emotional value to you. If you're a foodie, I mean, I'm a foodie. I love food. You are allowed to love food and enjoy it, but there are also other things that that are what the holidays are about, and I think if you start to shift your mind to that perspective of, you know, holidays are about enjoying all of the yummy food, but it's also about being with your family. And I think 2020 has really shed some light on that and the important on the importance of family and spending time with your loved ones and kind of telling people like, you know, life is short and Instagram and social media and food and all these other things that don't really hold as much value as your, as your family and friends are fine, but you need to focus on what's really important. You know, what, what is really going to mean more to you? Food on the table or your family and friends who time is precious, you know, like time, life is so short and the holidays are really a time where we all get to come together and we need to take advantage of that. Like I was saying, when you're 15 to 18, like the holidays are so boring for those those age groups, I feel like. But if you're listening and you're 15 to 18 years old, get out of your comfort zone. Put your phone down, you know, leave the the kids table once you're done eating and go sit at the adult table and listen to the conversations and really, you know, take in what your grandma or your aunt or your uncle or your parents are saying. Take in what your older cousins are saying. Like really be a part of the holiday and the the gathering because I think I think we can form really great memories that will last us a lifetime. So this episode, I am joined by registered nurse, certified IIN holistic health coach, and Instagram influencer. It's underscore Nicolette Marie. So Nicolette and I sat down and we chatted about her eating disorder. We chatted about how she overcame it. We chatted about binging, primary and secondary foods. And then she gave some tips on how you can navigate the holiday season. And I think this is such a great listen if you are somebody who is struggling around food or struggling with disordered eating or is finally over your disordered eating, but this is the first year you're really you know, in a good place. So you want to go into the holiday season with some tips, with some tricks, with with some tools in your back pocket on how to really enjoy it at its fullest. So I'm going to stop talking because I feel like this intro was a little long-winded and I really want you guys to get into this episode and give it a listen and just soak all of it up because Nicola is so wise. She is so smart and she is just such a beautiful soul and really, really gets it. So without further ado, Nicolette and I are sitting down to chat and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Wait, one more quick thing I need to say. If you have not left me a rating and review on my podcast show, what are you doing? (laughs) Just kidding. But seriously, I can't tell you guys how much seeing your reviews and seeing a new rating lights me up. Like I get so giddy. I check it maybe two to three times a day and every single time I get a new one, I go, oh, Lucas, I got a new review. I got a new rating. Like it's my favorite thing to see because I am so passionate about providing valuable episodes for you guys, things that are actually going to help you in your lives. And 
I love chatting with you guys and connecting and hearing your feedback. And so when you guys leave me reviews and ratings, it just makes me feel rewarded. You know, like it makes me feel like, wow, what I'm doing is actually helping somebody or it's actually relating to somebody or it's actually resonating with somebody and helping somebody in their life. So thank you guys so much for leaving me ratings and reviews. If you have not already, please do so because it also helps other people find me and join this little community and just get in, get involved in the conversation. So again, leave a rating and a review. You can do so on Apple Podcasts. It's Just Man's The Podcast. Just go to my show, leave a rating and review, and I will just light up. <laughs> okay. I promise we're getting into the episode. So first I want to talk about where nutrition started for you, because I know you're an IIN certified nutritionist, but I'm curious where your passion for coaching others began. So I think it began, so I've always been into health. Um, I went to college for nursing. I am a registered nurse. I have my bachelor's degree. Um, so I've always been interested in health and I think cause my eating disorder started in college and I think it was just because of that over obsession with health and I just needed to control everything because a lot was just like happening in my life at that point. So I've always been into health and then I started, um, I got a job at Orange Theory. So, you know, then I was like really into exercise and eating well and it was all to like look a certain way though. And then I had a couple health issues related to the eating disorder. So then I started getting into like how to heal with nutrition. And then I was also having anxiety about nursing. So as much as I loved it, it just like wasn't the right fit for me as what, as far as like what I wanted to do with health and nutrition. And if you've ever been to a hospital, the food and crap that they give you in hospitals is so disappointing. And it just like, didn't make sense for me. I felt like I had a way more holistic view of health than like doctors and so I just knew that wasn't for me and I spent one night like I just had a huge panic anxiety attack in my boyfriend's driveway like I was like I can't do nursing like it doesn't make sense for me and I stayed up that whole entire night going through programs whatever like looking through different ones and that's kind of how I stumbled into IAN they had such good recommendations people just seemed to love the program and I literally enrolled at three in the morning that night um, and I started the next day <laughs> So that's kind that of sounds where- literally exactly like me. Everything I do is such an impulse. I've gotten like seven tattoos within the same week that I thought about the idea. It's like my favorite thing to do. <laughs> literally same. Every single state I have gone to, I've gotten a tattoo. So, so when did that, was that in college when you decided you didn't want to do the, the nursing thing or were you out of college at that point? Uh, so I think I decided when I was in my sophomore year that I hated nursing and I tried to tell my family that it like was not for me. I like was like, I want to be like maybe a registered dietitian. Like, I don't know. And my family wanted me, like my parents wanted to be a nurse so bad. And they were like, you're going to learn to love it. Like stick with it. And I was like, okay. So I went through all four years and I was like, maybe I'll learn to love it. I worked um, full time as a nurse for two years. And then the anxiety just took over. So it was after college. Um, yeah, two years after college that I was like, okay, I can't do this. And that's when I did IIN. When did you realize after doing IIN that that was the right move? Did it happen immediately? Were you kind of like, oh, I can take a breath of fresh air now. And like, I feel relieved. Or was it something that you kind of like freaked out about for a while? So as soon as I started the program, probably like 
the first one or two modules, I was like, this is it. This is exactly what I was supposed to be doing. I don't know what it is about it because like I am, yes, it's an online program, but so I, you know, I took online courses before in college and it is nothing like that. I mean, you're watching these like motivational, like videos of speakers and professionals and whatever. And it was just so inspiring. And I was like, people who get it, like who get that, you know, health isn't just nutrition. It's like kind of this combination of everything. It's not just food and exercise. It's like your relationships, your education, like even just like cooking at home. Like there's just so much to it. And it was like, finally, like this is so aligned with me. I was nervous. I was so nervous. I was like, I'm leaving a really comfortable, safe position. This is what I went to college for. Like it was scary. Um, and then having to spend more money to get this IAN degree, like it, it's not a cheap decision. So I freaked out a good amount of times. And then I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I switched to part-time nursing. And then I was just doing the um, IAN part-time. So I was just like doing half-time for both. And I was terrified because now I'm making less money on something that mm, it's kind of iffy. Like it, right now it feels like that's so saturated. It feels like every single person wants to be like a health coach. And then you kind of start getting in your head with imposter syndrome. Like who am I to be a health coach? Like <laughs> yeah. what am I going to do? Um, so it was definitely scary, but I don't regret a single second of it. I feel like that's a very common thing for a lot of people, especially in college and getting out of college too go through the four years of wanting to be something and then getting out and realizing, oh shit, that's not what I want to do at all. What would you say to somebody who is going through that? Like, how do you kind of navigate that mindset? Because like you said, you didn't just go like, okay, I'm going to quit nursing altogether and I'm going to do IIN. Like you went part-time. So I feel like there's a way to do it that that's not so extreme. What tips would you give for somebody? I think the biggest thing is, this is something I wish somebody would have told me and would have like, I think it would have given me such a peace of mind. If you have this, like, say you're in college right now, you're going through a program, you're like, maybe I'll love it, but like, maybe I have to learn to love it. And you're just like not into it. And you, you have this other idea of what you want to do. Just do it. That is my biggest thing. Like follow that intuition because you, it's just going to sit inside of you and just like bother you until you do something about it. And like, for me, like I wish, I mean, I don't regret having a nursing degree. That's something I'm always going to have. I don't regret my education, but I do wish that I, someone would have told me it's okay. It's okay to follow what you want to do, even if it's not as safe and comfy and whatever, because I just feel like when we are doing what we love, what we're aligned to do, like it's going to work out. Like success is going to come. I have that really big, like, thing with like the universe. You know what I mean? Like what you put out is what you get in. And I just think that people need to know that it's okay to change your mind. We are so young when we have to decide what we want to do for the rest of our lives. And like, that's a lot of pressure for an 18 year old to be like, okay, well, I want to be a nurse for the rest of my freaking life. Like that's, that's too much. So I would say like, don't let fear or anybody tell you that you shouldn't change. But also I think that say you were in my position, you went through the four years college, now you want to be an IM coach. Well, for me, I had, it had to make sense. You know what I mean? It's not about taking extremes. So like you said, like I went part-time, part-time. Um, it made sense for me because I was making money 
off of Instagram. And with IAN, you can start taking clients about six months into the program. So you don't even have to be graduated to take clients. So it wasn't like, and I lived at home. So like it made sense for me because I was saving money by living at home. I still had money coming in from nursing, but I was also making money off of Instagram and with clients. So like I had that, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's particularly wise for somebody to just like go part-time if they're not having other sources of income. I just think it's so individual for everybody just to make sure it makes sense and that you're going to like not completely go off course. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And I love that you said we're so young because I think that's something that people don't remember is yes, we're so young and we have all this pressure to make a decision that might not last, but also we're so young. So it's the time to take risks and it's the time to really like jump into the things that you want to do and figure it out. Because I always say, if you try something, you don't like it, at least you, you realized you don't like it. And it's never going to be sticking with you again because you realize you did it and it's not for you. So I feel like it's so important for people to hear that is, you know, you're so young, take risks, but I like that you said it needs to make sense because I don't think that people should just be jumping into extremes. Exactly. Like I want to come on here. Like, this is what I'm about. Like, I love to be as real as possible. And I think it's really like, just not appropriate to be like, you need to like quit everything in your life and you need to just like throw that away and just like jump into something else. I think that you need to be smart and responsible about it because you want to build your future. You don't want to, you don't want to take steps back. You want to keep going forward, even if it feels like it's just like a half step, you know what I'm saying? So I just think it's really smart to like, look at where you're at in life and what makes the most sense for you. Because even if it's small steps, at least you're going towards what you want and not like completely doing like a 180 and then going into fear and panic. Like, how am I going to make money? Am I ever going to move out of my house? Do you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I want to take a 180 and I want to talk about your eating disorder a little bit and how that kind of played a role in your perspective and approach to wellness now. Oof. So like I, like I said, um, so when I was in high school, did not think about my body, image, weight, anything. Like what I ate, I didn't care what I ate. You know, I was like the classic, you know, high schooler. Like I was eating McChickens from McDonald's at like night with all my friends, like after being drunk. Like I just didn't think about it. And that's the thing. Like I had all these friends in high school. I had my boyfriend, like everything was just like, you know, you in high school, you're like, you don't care about anything. Mm -mm. And then I got to college. All I all my friends went to separate colleges. Like I didn't even have the best of friends. So it's not even like we, um, they like supported me or like had my back or like tried to like meet up with me. So I like lost all of my friends cause they just like went away. Um, me and I've had a twin sister. Um, so we were together like my whole life and then she went to a different college and then she was also working a lot. So like we never saw each other. My boyfriend went away to college. So like, it was like the first time I've ever been like alone in my whole entire life. And I was like, I don't even know who I am. Like you have so much time now to think, to think about who you are and what you are and what you want to be. It's scary. So yeah, it was just like this huge, like, whoa, um, kind of moment. And then, you know, I went into nursing because like a lot of like my parents wanted me to be a nurse and like some of my friends were like, I'm just gonna be a nurse. I'm like, okay, I'll do that too. And So with nursing, I like felt this like immense pressure. Like I never really, like, it's horrible to say, but I like didn't care about school in high school. But then when I got to college, I was like, holy shit, like I need to step it up. So I was like, I need to like, I just 
needed to be this like perfect student. I was like studying day night. I was getting a hundred percent on tests that students have never gotten a hundred percent on before. I had like a 4.0 GPA. Like I just got very strict and like regimented and I just felt like I needed to be perfect because I think underneath I was like, everybody left me. Like, it must be me. It must be me. But it was just like people going to college. But I put this pressure on myself that I wasn't lovable, worthy enough. And so I wanted to be. So I became this like super good student. I was like really trying to control my weight, everything. Like, I just felt like I needed to look perfect, be perfect, have the perfect grades. And I think that's what really got my eating disorder started because then I started to lose weight. And that was never the intention at first it was just to become healthier mm -hmm. and then it became as soon as i started losing weight and i was getting the compliments about like how how did you lose weight like what are you doing then it became a mind thing where i was like oh i look good and this is working and then it became very restrictive of what i was eating and then i was seeing influencers be like no gluten no blah 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 and i wasn't even sure if i was you know had celiacs or whatever so i was like no gluten like no whatever and like really got into that trap um and everything at the time on Instagram was such a highlight reel like you only saw people looking the best nobody was really talking about eating disorders like whatever so I just thought I was really healthy and then about like I want to say it was like a year and a half into my disorder people like I started getting some people like kind of worried they were like you like don't seem okay and I was I would get so offended I was like no I'm just really healthy like you know what I mean and then I cut everybody out of my life isolated myself completely and just let the disorder grow and like you know I my boyfriend went away he would come back and like see me and be like this is like a, I lost like over 30 pounds like I was so not myself and I just became became this like shell of a human I had no personality didn't laugh at the same things didn't care about the same things anymore and it just like went on for a really long time because I really struggled with like accepting that I had a problem because like nobody was talking about orthorexia nobody was talking about like any of that it was just really like silent so I was like I don't have a problem and then finally like health issues and like scares came up and I was like, okay, I have a problem. Like my mom and dad were trying to get me to like go to doctor's appointments. And then I remember sitting in one doctor's appointment with, it was just me, my dad and the doctor. And the doctor just like looked at me and he was like, if you don't stop, you are going to die. And it was the first time um, I've ever seen my dad cry. And it was kind of just like this wake up call that I did have a problem and that I did need to start like gaining weight and accepting that. So I think that's where, um, I think the recovery kind of led into more of like the orthorexic side. Like I was still really afraid of some foods. And then I was like, well, if I just eat more, but just like healthy stuff, then like, that's not a problem. You know what I mean? So then it took off onto this orthorexic thing, even though I was eating more. Um, and then it took me a while to come to terms that like no foods are bad that it's okay to eat all these things. And then I started getting, um, finding that balance for me between like what's considered good and what's bad. That, oh my gosh, with your dad sitting in the doctor's office with you, that literally gives me chills. And it's so scary because I feel like so many women have similar stories. What exactly is orthorexia? And was that the, the eating disorder that you struggled with? Um, I struggled um, mainly with anorexia. Um, I was severely, severely underweight. I refused to be in a hospital, which I probably should have. Um, I, yeah, I was 
so that was my main thing. And then orthorexia is just an over obsession with health and just like needing everything to be perfect, healthy, whatever, like your snacks need to be like perfectly healthy. So it needs to be like, you know, vegetables and hummus. Like it just like needs to make sense. It can't be anything with like empty calories. It's just this whole over obsession with health. Like, um, and I think that's kind of what, I think that was the hardest part to beat because you're like, I want to do right by my body and I want to be healthy. And it just like, and then you just, you know what I'm saying? Like it just yeah. is like yeah. black and white. Yeah. I think when you're in that stage, cause I haven't had an eating, eating disorder that severe or anything like that, but I definitely have had moments in my life where I was like, I can only eat healthy foods and these foods are bad and, and shit like that. I feel like a lot of women go through that. And I know what you're saying. It's like, quote unquote, self-care or wellness or, or health is allowing those, those, that food freedom into your life and, and the freedom to like look at things and not label it black or white or bad or good. And I think that's just, I, yeah, it's something that a lot of people struggle with, with, you know, that's how a lot of eating disorders start. But I want to ask, was it something that was super gradual or it like, you didn't really know what was going on? Were you kind of like, how the hell did I get here? So like, I, didn't like his orthorexia I feel like that has literally just became a thing like within the past two three years yeah like I feel like nobody really knew like that was a thing and then it really once I started to learn more about it I was like okay (laughs) that was totally me um what really helped me though was that like I have two sisters you know like my dad whatever I was still living at home who ate just like completely normal and so like seeing my sis my twin sister like go from like a pop tart for breakfast to like bagel bites to like ice cream like it was really helpful to be like okay she's fine she's not overweight by any means she's eating what she wants you know she'll still have like you know her vegetables and whatever and some days I mean she would go like a freaking week without having a freaking vegetable and I was kind of just like I it just like kind of like took me back and like really made me like realize that like I was just like way too obsessed with like what I was eating and yeah no I don't think everybody should have you know pop tarts bagel bites ice cream every day ramen noodles whatever like I think but I think it's okay to know that you can have that once in a while if you genuinely want that and you're you're just like in your mind telling yourself I shouldn't have that it's gonna make me fat it's gonna make me whatever like no it's not about that sometimes you know there's food nourishes us on like, yeah, like in our cells, whatever for our body, but it also nourishes our soul. And there is comfort food. Like I am lactose intolerant, but like, I'll never give up ice cream. Like I love ice cream. It's like a soul food. Like it's just been something I've loved my whole life. And I'm like, I don't care if I like feel a little icky after because I love it, you know? So I think that really helped get over that was just seeing that like other people were eating so normally without even second guessing it and then like me being here being like I need to have this for breakfast this for lunch like you know what I mean yeah and I'm such a big believer in the fact of like you can't do anything you can't live your life in fear and you can't make decisions based on fear it has to be out of love it has to be out of love for yourself and your friends around you and your body I want to ask though do you think there was a specific thing that you could maybe now being out of it pinpoint to what exactly was maybe not the trigger or maybe something that was keeping you in that disordered eating pattern. So what it was for me, it was like, I, okay. So anybody who's like anorexic, what's their number one fear is weight gain because it's, that's so many unknowns. You're like, 
what if I gain all this weight in my stomach and it never evens out for me? What if I like, you know what I mean? Like all these disordered thoughts come into your head and you're like, what if I like now have to go through like developing digestive issues, which a lot of people who are recovering suffer from. Um, so it's like you get all, and like that, like, blocks you you know what I mean yeah. and you're like you're really scared of like what are people gonna think of me if I have to gain 30 they're gonna think I let myself go so it's all these like self like limiting thoughts that like keep you and I it held me back I was terrified I was like oh my god like I'm gonna be so much less lovable I'm not gonna be perfect and I'm like I never was perfect you know what I mean so it's like nobody's perfect and I think that's what held me back for so long and then like eating really healthy, like made it seem easier. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'll eat more. But like, that's where the orthorexic thing came in where I'm like, okay, I'll eat more, but like only this, and it can only be this. And I'm never going to eat gluten. I'm never going to eat like, you know what I mean? Like, and then like, like I said, like seeing like my sisters, whatever, going to therapy, like talking through it, it was kind of like, okay, I can allow myself to like move past the fear of like eating a real bagel, you know? I want to know how somebody on the other side of it, who's not in an eating disorder can support those people. Because I know that when you talk to somebody with an eating disorder, like you said, you would get offended. I know that they can feel cornered and they can feel like they're being attacked. So how does somebody support this person who's going through something, but is genuinely concerned for them? So I think, um, for me personally, like it was my boyfriend who like did such a good job. I think allowing that person who's struggling to just talk, just let them talk, let them get their feelings out, let them get the thoughts that are like killing them out of their head. Do you know what I'm saying? So don't try to fix it. Just listen. Yes. That's the biggest thing you can do because somebody who's in the disorder like they are living for that control right now and they don't like it. There's like, it's like an angel and demon, like in their head, you know what I'm saying? They don't love that feeling, but they're so like controlled right now by like the demon side of it. So like, you just have to let that person process it for themselves. You know what I mean? Like don't force them into recovery. Don't sit them down and shove like a freaking Chick-fil-A sandwich in their face. Like it's not, it's not helpful because like nobody, nobody likes to be told what to do. So like trying to push and convince and like hurt someone's feelings into recovering, like isn't going to do it. Um, my older, like people have different ways of like dealing with their emotions. So like my sisters love me, they care for me, but my older sister, like people react differently. So her fear came out as anger. And she, I remember so it was the first time we ever kind of even talked about it. Cause it was just like that weird, like nobody wanted to like mention anything. And we were like fighting about God knows what. And she was like, you're anorexic. And it was like the first time anybody's ever even called me that. And it was kind of like, and it, it will stick in my head forever. Like it was just like such a, what the fuck moment. Sorry. I'm not sure if I could swear on your podcast. You can. Yeah, you can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then, um, like I kind of just like, we both just like stood there and like stared at each other. And I kind of just like walked out, like went in my room, like broke down and she came into the room and she's like, I like, I didn't mean that. Like I, she's like, it was just like so awkward. You know what I mean? Like it was Do you terrible. Think that was the first moment that you kind of admitted it to yourself. Um, I think, well, cause that, that was after that, like doctor's appointment with my dad. That's kind of when I started to admit it because like I was actually 
having health problems. Like I was bradycardic. So like my heartbeat was really slow and like my blood pressure was way lower than it should be. So like, I mean, they were like, are you dizzy? Like, are you okay? Because like my blood pressure was so low, but like, I, I literally wasn't dizzy, but I was just like, I think that's when I started, like, there was like my liver tests were like so off because I was killing my liver because I was starving myself. So like, I think that's when I was like, that's the wake up call. But then like my hearing somebody like say it to me was like a smack in the face. And then I was like, that's those like happenings, whatever, like is what kept me to like keep going. Cause I was like, I do have a problem and like, this isn't healthy. And you know, I'm like, I want to look like this, but like not at this cost. I bet it's so frustrating for you who, you know, it started as someone who really just loved nutrition and wanted to be healthy and it kept being that, but then you get to a point where all these health conditions are thrown at you and you're like, I am not healthy. How do you reconcile that in your head where you're like, I'm doing this because I want to be healthy, but I'm not. And then, and then, like you said, is that kind of how the orthorexia kind of came to be? Cause you wanted to be so healthy that you kept nourishing your body and being restrictive in that way. I just can't imagine how confusing that must be. It was literally, it's, it's terribly confusing. I think that's kind of, I think that starts for a lot of people. I think everybody wants to do right by their body. I don't think it's always about body image because it wasn't for me at first. And it is frustrating. You're like, what the hell? You're like, I wanted to just like, you know, eat more salads. I wanted to have more energy. Like I didn't want it to go this, I didn't want to kill myself. Um, you know, and then it becomes like a fear because you lost all this weight and you're getting compliments and it's confusing because you're like, do I look good? Am I doing something bad? And it's like, it's not always this like act of like trying to kill yourself. It's just like, you want to do right. And I think that is confusing. But for me, I think, you know, they say too much of anything is like not good for you. It's finding a balance. And that's what like my, I want people to like see. And that's what my page is like about. I want, I, you know, on my stories, I'm showing people I eat, you know, like my boyfriend, it was just his birthday. Like we had Dairy Queen ice cream cake. I'm trying to show people that you can eat that, but you can still go on a walk and have a smoothie in the morning. Like there's a balance. You can eat, you know, like a freaking French baguette and then have like salad later like do you know what I mean like there's a balance you don't have to be so like I can only have a smoothie salad 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 you know what I mean like (laughs) salad every day (laughs) yeah like you can have something different without it like without paying a price you know what I mean I always say on my podcast that balance is I say it all the time too and I and because I am at a point now where I don't think about food and I do implement that balance But I know for me, when I was in the trenches of like binging and not really feeling good around food and restricting myself, I I thought balance was impossible. I, when people told me, you just need to find a balance. I was like, fuck that. Like you're, you're lying. Like you don't actually have a balance. I don't know how to get there. So I want to know how does your eating disorder play a role in your life now? And how did you achieve that balance eventually? So I went through the same thing. So when I started to like really recover and like have this like whatever, trying to get over the orthorexia thing, I, I binged like it was nobody's business. I mean, I'm talking, I ate, you know, a whole fucking Dairy Queen ice cream cake to myself. Like I ate the whole thing by myself. Like I went through the binge so bad and, um, what helped me 
was to start to allow things because like I would restrict all day and then like have this huge ice cream cake. So once I had like a good breakfast, a good lunch, a good dinner, the ice cream cake became less of like a want for me. You know what I'm saying? So like once I started eating like real meals and like actually becoming full, that's when the binging started to like disappear. And just like, because ice cream cake, even though I was binging it and eating it, it was still like a bad off limits thing. And it, it makes you want it more when you like, you know, cut something off. You say, I can't have that. It makes you want it. So like, that's kind of what it was for me. Like I would just binge on whatever, all these things that I like thought were bad and like couldn't have. And then like the second I allowed my bite, I'm like, well, I had one bite. So fuck it. I'll eat the whole thing, you know? And I think where my balance came in was knowing that I can have these things that I banned, but I don't have to like sacrifice my whole day, like restrict all day of eating just to have it. I can have a little bit here, a little bit there. It's going to be there tomorrow. I can have more tomorrow. And that's like that mindset came in and that's when everything started to balance out for me. I think I'm kind of having just like a revelation right now because I think a lot of all of this has to do with control and wanting control. And I never even thought that, like, I'm, I like control. I'm kind of a control freak in certain aspects, but I never thought about like the one bite thing, like not saying you can't have something and then having one bite. And it's like, you almost kind of broke your control. So now you feel like you don't have any control. I'd never even thought about it that way. Yeah. That was totally me because every single time I ate something that I deemed to be unhealthy, it was like, if I have one bite, then I just messed up my whole day of eating. So now I'm just, it's a free for all because I was a bad human. Like, you know what I mean? And we, uh, like I, for me, at least I associated so much guilt with it. And it's funny because I, I don't know if you know who actually Alexandra is, but um, Mm. like on Instagram, that's her thing, but her name's Allie. Uh, Me and her are really good friends. We became friends on Instagram and we kind of, we did this whole like food freedom. It was called Frick Your Fears. We did this challenge where like over 300 girls signed up and we were kind of challenging them to like try fear foods or whatever. And we would do these little like videos and like send them out to people's email or whatever. And we were kind of talking about it and we're like, you get this guilt and like by definition, guilt means like literally like, breaking the law or like doing something literally like illicit and how are you doing that by eating a donut you know what I mean <laughs> yeah. so it's like you shouldn't have the shame and guilt for eating a donut like you know what I mean you should allow yourself to enjoy these things and you shouldn't feel like you are a, a bad person so I think a lot of it was just like coming to terms that like if you have a donut or if you want like um, you know, like peanut butter filled pretzels with like not the best ingredients that that doesn't make you less worthy or like less of a human than somebody who chooses to have the salad. That is the coolest concept that you guys did that. What was the result of all of those women? Oh my God, that it was literally the most like beautiful thing ever. So we had so many people like, so a part of the challenge was uh, sharing it to like, you know, their stories and it was incredible. I mean, we both were resharing um, the people who tagged us. I mean, it's over, you know, 30, 40 stories or just sharing people being like, this is my first time having cereal in X amount of whatever. This is my first time having a donut, like frick the fears. Like it was just like a way to get people excited to recover. And I think that's also what I'm really big on is trying to make people see that recovery isn't 
you know, it doesn't have to be this like really daunting, scary like thing. It can be exciting. Like you can make it fun. So like for so long, like there was this period where I would like, I mean, I grew up eating like pancakes, uh, French toast, whatever. And I went for uh, probably six or seven years without having that. And so like with recovery, I started to like get excited about it. Like I would wake up in the morning and just like make it a thing. Like I would have music on in the background. I'm making pancakes, making French toast, like dropping shit on the floor, leaving it there. Like just having fun with it and just being like, wow, like life doesn't have to be, you know, little smoothies or yogurt bowls or hard boiled eggs and nothing else. Like it can be, you know, these fun breakfasts. It doesn't mean you have to have it every single day, but it means that like you're allowing yourself to have fun. And then that's when recovery becomes a little bit less scary or like making, like having having your friends over, making them pancakes, doing it together, having your boyfriend over or like staying up late with him. And then like at 2am being like, let's make some cookies, like make it fun, make it exciting. Don't be like, what's going to happen to me if I eat two cookies? Cause literally nothing's going to happen to you. <laughs> the stress is worse than eating the cookie. Absolutely. I think stress is like the number one thing that causes so much dis-ease in people's bodies. Before we get into the holidays and your take as a nutritionist, I want to kind of wrap up the eating disorder thing. How can somebody ask for help and how important is it for someone to ask for help? For ask for help? It is literally because you will sit there and convince yourself that you're not sick enough forever. You will continually go through this span of like, oh, I'm not sick enough. And I think the best thing you can do I think the best thing anybody can do is tell at least one person because if that person loves you, they're going to keep pushing. Do you know what I mean? Like if you tell somebody you're like, I'm not like mentally in a good place, whether it be around your, you know, the food or your body or exercise, whatever it is, telling somebody that you're not in a good place, you're going to like, it becomes easier to talk about it once you get it out once. Once you just tell one person that like how much your mind is just like bullying you, it's so much easier to find help. Do you know what I mean? So tell that one person, have, now that you told that one person and you're still struggling, get professional help. I cannot stress that enough. I resisted that for so long. I jumped from therapist to therapist coming up with lame excuses and it just delayed the recovery. But getting even just a therapist, I mean, sometimes you don't need like a whole team. Some people do. That's the thing about eating disorders because they're so individual to that person, but like recovery is too. Everything about the an eating disorder is individualized. So some people will need, you know, the therapist, nutritionist, you know, they're going to need the whole shebang. Some people just need to talk it out. Like with just a therapist, um, some people need inpatient, some people need outpatient. So it's like very getting honest with yourself, like how badly are you struggling? Um, and then trying to find, you know, the resources that are available to you. So I just think that it one, like if you're even questioning, if you have a problem, then you need to tell somebody. So I want to talk about the holiday season and kind of get your nutritionist point of view on it. First, I want you to kind of describe, if you can, and like briefly, what your approach to wellness and health and fitness is as an IIN nutritionist. So for me, like I said, I'm all about balance. I'm going to do what's best by my body. I'm going to eat the foods that make me feel mentally the best and physically the best. And a lot of the time that is, you know, smoothies with fruits, vegetables, really clean ingredient, protein powders. Like I, I don't think 
that's a problem if you want to genuinely do best but like i still eat you know nut butters with only one two ingredients you know what i'm saying like i think you really do need to do by best by your body i think you need to be eating foods that are anti-inflammatory like i i do think that but i also think that if you're at thanksgiving and you love your grandma's homemade ice cream cake that you can have that because we have this we have such a fear of these things with like bad ingredients that we think that one piece of cake is just like gonna kill us and it's just not true i mean for these things to be really toxic to our bodies you need to be eating it every single day for every single meal. It's one, you know, thing with like something that has, you know, canola oil, like that's not going to give you cancer on the spot. (laughs) It's not going to like, you know, it's not going to inflame your whole body. There are people who struggle with like legitimate, um, like, you know, food intolerances and whatever. And I think, yeah, eat by that. Don't, you know, if you're a celiac, don't eat gluten. You know what I mean? Like if you're dairy free and you're like literally like insanely, like you're going to have the worst lactose intolerance symptoms, like don't eat dairy, but like go into it with a balanced mindset. Like if you don't struggle with these like food intolerances and those types of things, then eat what you want and like give yourself that gift of enjoying your holiday meal. I remember when I was really struggling with my relationship with food, the holidays were so overwhelming for me. And I definitely looked at it as an excuse to fall off track or to have a cheap day, not a cheap meal, cheap day. I don't even like that concept, but that's how I, that's how I thought. Or I would literally just like binge everything under the sun, like literally eat everything. And that's not fun because you can't enjoy your friends. You can't enjoy your family. You're, you want to be in bed by seven. You can't like spend time with people and really focus on the things that matters about holidays, which is your family and your friends and those kind of core, core people and core values. I like, I remember even picking out my outfit to accommodate like how much food I can eat or like what's going to make me look like the least amount bloated, you know? So I just want to know if you had a similar experience and kind of how, you know, maybe the first time after your eating disorder, when you were in a good place, how you navigated that for the first time. Yeah. So I had, you know, the same type of thing, except my first couple years of the disorder, like was complete the whole day, the whole entire day was, you know, I wake up immediately dreading this day. I was like, fuck, what the hell am I going to eat? Like, you know, I'm going to my aunt's house. I'm not making the food. I have no control over the food. Like, what am I going to do? Um, I would get there. So in the morning, like it was the first time. Cause like none of my family ever like sat down and ate like breakfast, lunch, dinner together. Like we never did that. So I was always able to eat like what I wanted when I wanted. And so it was the first time like that, you know, we'd wake up as a family and like we have breakfast together, but like, I always made sure I was eating like the smallest amount compared to like my sisters and my dad. And like, I would not have lunch. Cause I'm like, there's going to be appetizers and there's going to be blah, blah, blah. And like so much food. And then, so I was starving by the time we even like went to have dinner and then it would be like lasagna. And I'm like, Oh God, no lasagna. So I would literally only eat a salad. So I like restricted the whole time. And then I would like have like the dessert or whatever, because like, I don't know, I'm, I'm such a dessert person that I would kind of like binge on the dessert. And then I was like, okay, so can't keep doing that. So as I got like more into like a better place, I started kind of like, I ate a bigger breakfast 
ate lunch, went to dinner, and then I didn't feel so out of control and like scared around the food because I'd be like, okay, I can have that and not binge on it because I'm already kind of full. You know what I mean? And like that was a huge thing for me. Like I hated the feeling of like being super full. Um, that was like a trigger for me. Like if I felt overfull, then it was like either a binge or like a res- like major restriction type of thing. Um, so around the holidays, I ate. Like, you know what I mean? I feel like so many people have this mindset, like I'm not going to eat breakfast, I'm not going to eat lunch. And then like, I can have the dinner dessert. And I think the biggest thing you can do is eat like balanced meals still on the holidays. Like even if you overeat, know that that's okay. You know what I mean? Like there's days where you're going to overeat. Some days you eat less, some days you eat more. Like that's a whole thing about listening to your body. So just like going into it with this mindset that like everything's allowed. You don't have to restrict to have dinner with your family and, you know, have a dessert, being more present with your family and maybe even telling somebody at, you know, Thanksgiving, maybe your sister, whoever you're really close to being like, I'm kind of struggling around food. And sometimes like, I know for me, like my sisters would really like at the dinner table would just like keep my head out of it, like keep conversation going. And if you don't have that person, then maybe plan conversations that you can start in your head. So you're not focused on the food. You know what I mean? And like, don't spend too much time at the table. Like if that's a very triggering place for you, you know, like have the meal with your family, obviously, and sit with them, but like, don't sit there after and just like keep sitting there and like having all these thoughts run through your head, but just like planning conversations, allowing yourself to enjoy the meal, not stressing out if you're going to binge on dessert or if have one or none, like, you know what I mean? Like, don't overthink it. We get into our heads so much that it becomes this whole thing where all you have to do is just eat and hang out with your family. I think that is so, so great that you said that because you're right. Like, I think a lot of the struggle around the holidays and food is that we put so much focus on that. And that's the main thing that we're focused on instead of, like you said, your family, your friends, and the people around you. And I think for me, that was, that was something that was so helpful was conversation is just kind of distracting your mind from thinking about the food and just getting into the conversation. And then, you know, if you're around people that you really enjoy and you're having these great conversations, you don't think about food. You just don't, you're, you're too occupied by other things. So I, that's a great tip is to just get involved in the conversation and just think about other things. And also I love that you said, don't stay at the table too long because for me personally, and like, I know it's okay to overeat, but sometimes I would binge because I was just at the table too long. And I'm like, I don't want to just sit here and not be eating like the tables for food, you know, like I, it was so triggering. That's just like, I, that's such a concept that I didn't even think about was like, don't stay at the table so long. That's, Mm -hmm. that's awesome. I want to ask you, because I know that this is something with, I think it's IIN, primary foods and secondary foods. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. So primary foods is actually not the foods we eat. So primary foods is your, you know, if you're getting like physical movement, so exercise, it's home cooking, it's your career, it's your education, it's your relationships. It's so much more. And your secondary food is the actual food you eat. And a lot of, you know, disorders or whatever are stemming from something off in your primary foods. So they have this tool called the circle of life and it has all the 12 areas of primary food, which is like, and then, you know, the exercise, the education, the career, the finances, whatever. And so in the circle of life tool, there's like the center 
and it's a circle and each line represents one of those 12 things and you kind of put a dot to where you're satisfied with it and if your dot is like super narrow um it kind of just means like you have a lot of imbalance in your life and it kind of shows you like for me when i first ever did the tool and i and kind of looked at it it was like i wasn't happy in my career because i did not like nursing so like that showed me that like that's an area of my life that i really need to work on and same thing with like relationships and stuff like that like i had you know not a great relationship with anybody in my family and then like me and my boyfriend like weren't great because he wasn't around he, you know he went away to college so it just showed me that these are the areas I need to work on and once I started working on those areas and you know like getting becoming more satisfied the food and nutrition became less of a problem you know what I'm saying because like you know a lot of eating disorders are about control because you feel so un in control and these like primary areas of your life so you need to control something so once you focus on what you need like say you're really lonely well if you reach out to more people join groups get connected on instagram get that up you're going to become more satisfied you're not thinking about food all the time you're not isolating yourself whatever so that's the main thing with primary and secondary foods is knowing that the food and stuff that we eat is not as important as everything else in our lives like yes you need to eat healthy whatever but that matters less like you can there was this one study in IAN that they did about this really small little town in Italy. And it, these people ate pretty much like crap all the time, but they were, I mean, the neighbors were just like walking into each other's houses. They're always having dinner together every single night. And these people never suffered from any type of disease, no heart disease, no nothing. And they didn't eat good, but they were so genuinely happy in every other area of their life that it didn't matter. So that's like the main thing. I don't know what I listened to. I think it was like a modern love podcast or something like that, but they were talking about how loneliness and antisocialness and isolation kills more people than like actually not eating well. Literally. And have you seen, um, what's it called? Down to earth with Zac Efron? Yes. Did you see when they, I know, first of all, he's amazing. I'm like <laughs> obsessed with him all over again, but do you did you um watch the one where they went to Italy and they went to like the little small town and they saw like that 80 year old guy and they're like what's the secret and he's like wine wine and pasta like we eat carbs we don't eat protein like it just and it's so crazy because he probably just had a really full social life and people don't recognize that you have to kind of water every area of your life to like sprout and blossom and be you know healthy and full Exactly. And that's the main point of primary and secondary foods. It's just like realizing that like, if you're just so focused on the food part, you're missing out on health. You're missing out on the, everything else in life. You know what I mean? Like I lost so much to my eating disorder that that's why I was literally like killing myself. But once you start, like you said, watering those areas of your life, like things just work out and some like it almost became a super easy transition for me to not even think about food anymore once I was like really happy with you know because I was able to completely quit nursing you know to do the health coaching to do Instagram and like once that started happening like I was excited about life again like I was like I made friends on Instagram who I'm like FaceTiming all the time and like things and me and my boyfriend like our relationship got better so it was like once these things like all started working out I didn't really care about like the food anymore. I'm like, oh, my sisters want to go get custard at like one after watching this movie. Like that, let's do it. Like it just didn't become this whole, like, I can't have that. I can't do this. I can't do that. Like it just, your life gets easier. And I think when you don't have, you know, your primary foods in line and they're not fulfilling you, like you turn to 
food as that emotional connection or that, that emotional um, area of your life when I don't really, I, I don't, that's a tricky thing. I would, I would love to know what your opinion in, is on that, like emotions and foods. Cause I feel like you can't con- completely take the emotion out of food because then you lose, you know, I'm, I'm a foodie. I love food. I love, you know, having a meal that is really like fulfilling to my soul and just gets me excited. So what do you think about emotions and food? I think it is completely okay to have comfort food. I eat for comfort all the time. Like if I'm anxious, I'm like, oh shit. Like I, like I just reach for food. I think that's okay. I think it's okay. I also think that like spending time reflecting on it, that's something I do. I journal a lot, like a lot. And it really like brings things into focus for me. Um, I think it's okay to use food for comfort sometimes, but like you, that's what I'm saying. Like, you don't have to punish yourself for that. Like if food makes you comfortable and you genuinely love food, you love to cook really nourishing things. Like that's awesome. Love is going into your food and what you put into your food is going into your body. So it's like, love is coming into you, even if it's ice cream and that makes you happy. Like if you love it, it makes you happy. It's okay to like have emotions connected to food, but not like negative emotions. Not like this is bagel is like something I want, but it's like really bad for me, like whatever. And then you're putting that juju like into your body, that negative juju. So it's like, have a good mindset. Like it's okay to like food and it's okay to be a foodie. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't like make you a bad person for like genuinely finding comfort in food because I find comfort in my matcha and that's healthy. You know what I mean? So like, don't make it so black and white with emotions. And I think sometimes where for me, like it gets tricky is I feel like if, for example, someone's going through a breakup and you immediately resort to your, your secondary foods to kind of help you cope with that instead of like reaching out to a friend, reaching out to your family members and going on a walk or something to kind of help you think through it. I think that's kind of where it could get tricky. Cause I think then, then you might form habits that are like, if something negative is going on in my, in my life that I need to compensate for the, with these, you know, foods. So I think maybe that's where it gets tricky. I think it does get tricky there too. Um, for, cause like, that's a really good example. So me and my boyfriend had like a nasty breakup a couple years ago, like on Easter and like my immediate thing, I was with my older sister and I was like, I want ice cream. Like I want ice cream. Like I was really upset. So I ate like a whole Ben and Jerry's pint to myself. Um, and the difference there between now, so like that was, I was compensating. I was like, you know, and like the difference now, like if, you know, he broke up with me again and I decided I wanted ice cream, it's a different thing because I'm in a different relationship with food. It is comforting to me, but I don't feel like I'm a bad person. Therefore, I need to punish myself and my body. I don't need to compensate for it. I just need some genuine comfort. And everybody, you know, deals with shit different ways. Some people, it won't be food. Some people, it literally is just like going for a walk or calling somebody or just sitting in their room alone, crying, screaming into a pillow, taking a bath. Like everybody's going to do different things, but I think it's, you need to do it from a place of love. So the first time he broke up with me and I went for ice cream, it was not coming from a place of love. It was coming from like, fuck. And then, you know, now it's like, if I want ice cream because I want it, it's going to make me feel better. You know what I mean? There's a difference totally. it's all about getting honest with your emotions and not being like, I'm a shit human being. So I'm going to feed myself shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Before we wrap it up, I want to get into Instagram questions really quick. So 
there's a lot of questions about binge eating and a lot of people say that they binge during the holidays. Some people want to know what are the negative consequences. Some people want to know if you want, if you like to binge on the holidays, should you fast the day before or after? And I'm curious to know your, your take on that mindset. I think all of it's a dangerous mindset. I think all of those questions are coming from a really huge place of fear. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So the fact that you feel like you need to fast um, in order to binge is coming from this place of fear of what happens if I binge. So now I need to restrict in order to binge. It's all coming from a place of fear. So like that's already disordered mindset. Um, Instead of being like, I'm going to have a balanced meal the week of, the day of, that's more, you know what I mean? And if you want to overeat, like that's fine. And there's, you know what I'm saying? Like one day of overeating, like is not going to kill you. It's not going to like, yeah, you might feel a little uncomfortable. Okay. Go for a walk after drink a little bit of peppermint tea. Like, you know what I'm saying? Take a bath. Don't sit there and be like, I'm such a shit human being. I need to punish myself. I'm not going to eat for the next two weeks. I'm going to go to the gym eight more times. Like that those questions alone are just kind of like coming from this place of like fear. And there's literally no, like you binge. Okay. So like, there's not like a negative, like the whole world's going to end. Your body's going to explode. You have cancer. You're going to gain weight. Like that's not going to happen. And that's the problem with, I think, Instagram with, you know, the way media portrays things is that you kind of have to like compensate and you have to like fear it and you can't just eat balanced meals. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, if you're really that like into, you know, the binging on dessert idea, then maybe eat a little bit less at dinner. If that, if you don't really care for the dinner, then maybe eat a little bit less. But like, I don't think you have to go into this crazy like scheme of how you're going to fast and then binge. And then, you know what I mean? And I think if you allow yourself the freedom to overeat, you might not. I think a lot of the reason that I overate or binged was because I was like, I can't do that. And then I just ended up doing that. So when I finally was like, you know what? I might eat a little bit more. I might, you know, feel uncomfortable. I might be bloated, whatever. Then I was like, actually, I don't want that, you know, last bite of my food or I'm okay leaving that, that food on my plate without finishing it. Like, I think if you just allow yourself you'll be surprised at what your mind and your body really wants. Exactly. Once you, when you get right with your like mindset, you know, like everything just like makes more sense. You're going to eat and be like, okay, maybe I just didn't want as much as I thought I did. You know, you have to come from this place of love and allowing and, you know, this place of abundance, not like restriction, negativity, like that kind of thing, because then you're going to be like, I can't have that. Well, now I'm going to do it because that your mind like does not work like that. So I just think, like you said, coming from a place of like, okay, I'm, I'm allowed to overeat. Like it's the holidays. This is fun. This is what it's for. Like, you know what I mean? And just like not being so scared and like needing to like come up with this plan of how you're going to like compensate for like eating a little too much, you know? The next question is how do you avoid bloat? Okay. So again, like bloating is super uncomfortable, not the end of the world. Every single person bloats, every single person, you know, like you eat something like it's in your stomach, like it's going <laughs> to like it's a it's a human body function it's normal it's fine um if you're like super scared 
Um, take digestive enzymes. Like I said, you can get some peppermint essential oil, do, rub that clockwise on your stomach. You could take a bath, a hot or like a heating pad on your stomach. Um, I really like the remedy digestive chews. You just chew two of them before your biggest meals. That helps. Digestive bitters help, like spraying that in your mouth before meals, like if you're really terrified of bloating. Um, but I don't think that bloating is something we all need to like so much like demonize and fear because it's such a natural human body experience and chances are the next morning you're gonna wake up and you're not gonna be bloated anymore and if you are you just need some coffee or you need some tea and you take a you need to take a shit and then you're fine (laughs) like just drink some water like breathe i think the stress does worse yeah you know what i mean than doing these little things a thousand percent the next question is kind of interesting because this was never the case for me Someone says that counting macros has helped them develop a better relationship with food and they want to know how to navigate that during the holidays. So like I was never like big into counting macros. Like that was just like too complicated for me. Um, I just like didn't make sense for me. And I do think it would have been more triggering for me. So like, like I said, eating disorders, everything recovery, it's all different. So maybe that does help the person. Um, I guess I would just say, like, if they are wanting to count macros, um, go ahead and, you know, like count your macros of your turkey, of your stuffing, whatever, but like, don't let it, like, if you want more than your macro allows, then have it without the stress. You know what I mean? Don't make it a restriction thing and don't make it such a tight, like, protocol. I honestly think if someone's counting macros during the holidays, don't, because I don't think that that's something that you really can do and be present at the same time. Like I, maybe if you're like writing down everything that you ate and then tracking it the next day, maybe, but I don't think that someone, I think you should maybe give yourself like a freebie, like, you know, take a day. (laughs) Exactly. That's what I mean. Like if you, like, if you're trying to stick to your macros, but you're like, that's not going to do it for me. Or like, I genuinely want more then don't be held back by your macros. I kind of think like, yeah, she's saying it's helping her, but I just, I think that's also kind of like almost, almost like an orthorexic tendency Mm -hmm. for this need for like control and being able to like, I can only have this. I think you really need, if you're going to do that, you need to be very allowing like freedom. Like if you genuinely want more then like eat more without the guilt. The next question is how to eat all the yummy foods without the food coma. Um, honestly, I think it's okay. To, like I think um, this is what I hate about like holidays is there's so much like fear like yeah. around being bloated and like eating foods that like aren't deemed super healthy by their favorite like influencer like it's fine if you're in a food coma um and I think like that word alone like that phrase alone is like very scary like if you overeat and you feel a little uncomfortable like I said like that is not enough to be like I'm a horrible person like I am so fat I shouldn't have done that like that's just like and words like that just build on this like negativity I think we really need to like stray away from those kind of words and just being like I overate that's fine. Tomorrow I'll get right back like to having like things that make me feel good. And I, you know, it's not like I need to eat less. It's just like, I'll go back to eating what makes me feel good. And this is very temporary. There's so much like permanence. Like people think they're never going to be like, because when you're like suffering or like in pain or like, don't feel like, right. You, you feel like it's going to last forever, but like go for a walk, 
you know, drink tea that's going to soothe your stomach, drink some more water, like don't sit there and obsess and stress and be like, oh my God, I'm in a food coma. Like just go for a walk, you know? And then for somebody who does kind of want to be, or maybe somebody who's on like a very sustainable health journey who like is developing a really good relationship with food and really wants to remain healthy and doesn't necessarily want to like eat like shit during the holidays because I feel like for me that's that's something that I really value like I can tell when I eat like crap I'm not a nice person like I'm not a good person to be around so I definitely like want to base my meals around healthy foods while allowing myself to have like that unhealthy food. So someone wants to know like what the new, the most nutritious or like beneficial foods that they can eat like on the Thanksgiving table. So I would say, you know, the turkey, that's a good source, protein, whatever. Um, if there's like a vegetable side dish, I mean, some people do like green bean casseroles. Some people just do like regular vegetables, whatever. Um, you know, loading up more on like the veggies and the protein just to keep yourself full from the protein. You know what I mean? Having that source of carb, whether it is, you know, the sweet potato casserole or whatever. And like, that's the beautiful thing about you know, life right now and like Instagram is that there's so much inspiration for healthier dishes. And like, say you're going to your families and you're not really in control of like the food, maybe make a healthier, you know, side dish that everybody can share that has like more like vegetables, healthy oils, whatever. And, you know, eat that and share it with people. So it's not like you're bringing your own food. No, share it with people, like show them that like eating healthy, like if their family's really not into it, show them that it can be very enjoyable. Um, Cause I'm like you, like, I like to eat foods that like make me feel good and stuff like that. Like I genuinely, and that's how I eat most of the time. I eat, you know, healthier stuff because it does, it makes you feel better. It makes you more present. It makes you feel lighter, like inside and out. You know what I mean? So I think that just like, I mean, you obviously know, like on the table, like what's healthier and like what's not. So just like going for more of the healthy options, but like knowing you can have a little bit of what's considered like not healthy or just bringing like your favorite, you know, stuffing that's like gluten-free, dairy-free and like, you know, making it a family experience, not just like a you experience. So before we wrap it up, I want to know what is your favorite Thanksgiving food? Oh, I freaking love stuffing. I love stuffing. I literally never had stuffing growing up on my, my Thanksgiving table. I never did. And I tried it a couple years ago and I honestly can't even remember what it tasted like just because I was so probably like full of other foods that I can't even remember. But I, yeah, I've never even like had stuffing at my table. It was weird. Oh my God. My aunt makes like literally the best stuffing. Like I could eat that shit for like ever for every meal for the rest of my life. Like I love stuffing. What is it exactly? Honestly, I didn't know until she told me, like, the way she makes it, because she would make it, like, inside the turkey, it's basically just, like, bread and, like, celery, onion, if you want to do, like, carrots. It's just, like, that, just, like, all kind of, like, this weird, like, texture, but that's stuffed, good. Like, stuffed yeah. together. <laughs> yeah, like, it's really good, though, and, like, just, she puts, like, apple in it or something. I don't mm. know, but it's, like, friggin' delicious, and I just, like, love stuffing so much, um, but I also really love pumpkin pie. Mm. Do you have any recipes that you can leave with the audience or any resources where people can find some good recipes? Um, at Gathered Nutrition has amazing, this year, she has amazing Thanksgiving recipes. I'm also going to post a gluten-free um, stuffing. I was recently diagnosed with IBSC, so I kind of have to be a little bit more careful about what I'm eating. So I, I'm going to post a um, 
gluten-free stuffing recipe soon. And then I also like, I'm, I'm such a sweet tooth person. So I have a lot of like healthier um, desserts for Thanksgiving. So that, that's on my page. Like I have sweet potato brownies. I'm going to share like pumpkin brownie swirl cookies today. Like, so my page is at it's underscore Nicolette Marie, if you're interested. Perfect. And then since my show is all about womanhood, wellness, and self-growth, I would love for you to leave the audience with a self-growth or wellness tip, trick, or resource. So I think, oh, this is good. There's so many. I think that one of the most life-changing things we can do is become body positive and, you know, body neutral. So knowing that maybe not every single day you're going to love what you look like and everything, but just being like knowing that your body is getting you through the day and just hopefully getting to a place where you can learn to love yourself for those things that you consider imperfections because, you know, underneath all the clothes and makeup and jewelry, we are all the same underneath. You know what I mean? We all have you know, stretch marks, bruises, lumps, things that wiggle, you know, we're all the same underneath, but really, who are you on the inside? Are you funny? Are you caring? Are you inquisitive? Are you a bit of it all? Start thinking about your character and values and less about this like physical aspect of you. Well, thank you so much for coming on here. I had the best time chatting with you. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Where can people find you again? Say your Instagram and then also how can people work, work with you if they want to? So my Instagram is at it's underscore Nicolette Marie. And then in on my page, if you want to go, I have my website in my bio. And then there's a place where you can, it's called book or something with me on my page. You just hit that. And then I have a calendar that comes up and you can schedule a day and time and we can get a one free consultation and to see if we'd be a good fit. You said that you're going to be posting the sweet potato cookies today. I posted the sweet potato brownies a couple days ago, and then I'm posting pumpkin brownie swirl cookies later today. Oh, okay. I got to go check those out. Everybody (laughs) listening, go check those out. (laughs) 